Is it me? Yeah. Well, welcome to the Wiggly Sofa. I don't know why I'm introducing this one, but I think it's probably because Rich and Heather have had a fit of the giggles and can't function anymore. But anyway, <laughs> yesterday, longer. yesterday, Rich successfully got me on a nature ramble. Now, you might imagine this wasn't something that I would willingly go on, but we had a good day, didn't we, Rich? We, we had a very good day, Phil. Oh, it's surprising. I mean, you are remarkably good company, I've got to say. <laughs> well, thank despite, you very much. Despite first impressions. But <laughs> Shall we have a group hug to celebrate? Or Here we go. But we, uh, oh. but it was great, wasn't it? It was really good. And, uh, and Rob the Seed came with us, and we walked up, and we went up to Phil's permanent set-aside. What a stunning little patch. I've got to say, well, gorgeous. quite a big patch, really. Exceeded my expectations big time. It was quite disappointing in the weather because I sent Mark Eccleston, our photographer, up there the other day, and it was raining the other day as well. And he came back and said, hmm, it's raining, not much interest. And I'd been up there on a sunny day a number of times, and my identification of various species is fairly limited at the best of times. And I wanted one of you guys who knew what you were on about to have a look. And yesterday, although it was raining, there were 30-second <laughs> bursts of sunshine. <laughs> well, that was incredible, wasn't it? The butterflies got going and the, we, we saw some insects. And then, of course, with Rob the Seed along, we could actually identify some of the plants. Yeah. And whilst the, you know, the, there wasn't a whole heap of anything terribly rare... The diversity was there. And oh, God, there enough was, there, wittering. Well, there was, there was some Just rare stuff there as well, which Rob, which Rob will tell us about it. So we'll go and have a listen to the interview. And dear listener, but sorry about interview. him saying it's yesterday. It's not an interview. <laughs> oh, isn't it? It's as good as the Okay, guys, well, we finally made it through a very wet countryside, very wet few fields, Phil. So, uh, You've actually got me on a nature ramble, haven't you? Yeah, it's great, isn't it? I it's never fantastic. Thought I'd see the day. Yeah, well, Rob, Rob came over, Rob the Seed came over to talk about the, a new wiggly range of trees and whatnot, so we thought we'd get him up here to uh, give us uh, the, uh, the benefits of expertise and talk about the various species that you've got on this massive patch of set aside. Well, it's a very opportune moment because the, the European Commission are just, as we speak, deciding on whether or not to do away with set-aside to try and cool down the world grain market because the, the price of grain has gone up and notwithstanding floods and all the rest of it, it looks as if it's set to go up some more. And one of the ways of taking the heat out of it, particularly for the livestock producers, is to bring set-aside land back into production. And we, because our farm is mixed farm and sort of up and down and what have you, have fairly obviously set-aside the land which is least suitable for arable production and so we're stood in a field that has been in set aside for at least 10 years yeah it was woodland as recently as the 30s so it's a pretty rough and ready piece of land but as a wildlife habitat in its set aside state I don't suspect that there's anything wildly exciting I here. think yeah, I think you're probably right I mean it doesn't but, look like it's particularly diverse but the species that are here 
of which there are, and the colour is quite glorious at the moment. We've, we've got a luxury of a two seconds of sunshine and there's a few butterflies thinking, oh, let's make a break for it. Let's, <laughs> well, let's make a crack this. on because yeah. this afternoon yeah, going right. to be a waste oh, of time. Yeah, we're we're going to be washed back down into the bottom of the grass again. And, and, but there are, there's a whole load of uh, creeping thistle and uh, rose bay willow herb and, uh, oh gosh, what are those yellow flowers called? Those well, are ragwort. Ragwort, that's well, right. Well, they're not all ragwort. There are two species. There's ragwort, which are the ones that, that stand a bit taller with a flat yellow floret. And then Rob's going to tell me in a minute what these are. This is St. John's uh, Wall. St. John's Wall. Yeah. Oh, there John's we are. Yeah. Fantastic. A lot of colonising weeds, isn't it? Well, that's right. I think probably in a, in a field that had been more arable for longer, yeah. you'd see less variety of weeds, if you see what I mean. That Personally, I thought it was just going to be docks and thistles all over. Yeah. And that's not the case. But what's interesting for me is that if it has a wildlife benefit, and I'm sure it does have a wildlife benefit, even though there's nothing specifically rare or exciting about it, yeah. then if we can manage it and maintain it as it is, rather than go back to trying to plough it up or farm it intensively, I think that might be a better job always round. And within the rules of set-aside, which still apply for this year, we're due to top this now. Yeah, yeah. Um, which obviously no, will be, decimate it. That would be a shame, wouldn't it? Yeah. Um, yeah. And so I mean, wild plants are still flowering. There's crazy. still food for insects and cover for little mouses and whatever else. Definitely. I mean, this must be a fantastic hunting ground for owls. Because well, they love it, uh, don't they? You know, well, they it's do not it. too difficult. You know, interestingly, the grass isn't, because it hasn't been improved, the grass isn't too dense. So as a hovering kestrel, you could see a little vole zooming between its burrows. And uh, as far as barn owls are concerned, which there are a couple around, here aren't they yeah we've got yeah, two pairs good, that would hunt over here I good habitat for them there are two sheep in here somewhere really <laughs> yeah <laughs> two of my neighbours sheep they're that wild that we couldn't catch them yeah, and they so were last that, seen in here so how many acres is this all told then it's, it's about 20 acres in this patch so it's a nice size isn't it and, and uh, it's bordered by woodland on two and a bit sides so that it fulfills the purpose of linking habitats as well which is another vital yeah part of the sort of countryside patchwork is hedges and, and areas of habitat that are linked together fantastic well let's have a wander through what's your butterfly prowess like rob because uh, uh, there's a couple well, of little, little brown what's this little meadow browns here meadow yeah. Brown, yeah it's it's, yeah. In, it's interesting looking at this that this is and a little grasshopper there you see now it's quite unusual to find grasshoppers on intensively farmed you know arable land and it just goes to show that this has been undisturbed for, for such a length of time yeah. and to such an extent that those guys are growing here which is fantastic to see and that, that's the quintessential sound of a, of a meadow isn't it you know the, the grasshoppers rubbing their back legs yeah, I've always been more familiar with sort of rotational set aside rather than the permanent set aside, <laughs> and, and the fact that yeah, this you guys has been are talking down. about this. Yeah, what, what is there? What, why is there a distinction between the two? How, how does that occur? It's just a political thing that, that when set aside first came out, the idea was that you could have permanent set aside so that you put it in one place and you were tied to keeping it, and you had to commit to keep it there for I think it was five years. It might even have been ten years. Right. Or you had rotational set aside. And the idea of that was that you had to have a percentage of your arable land unproductive, but you had to move it round the farm so that you couldn't keep it in one place. But they stopped that after a couple of years, and so that then allowed us to put rotational side in the same place indefinitely. But it wasn't permanent set aside, you understand. (laughs) Definitely know exactly what they're on about. Uh, Yeah, they do, yeah. But of course, the, the main benefit of that was that when we moved set aside around, all that effectively you had was a sprayed-off stubble 
right. for sort of eight months of the year, yeah, which had very yeah. little value yeah. of anything. Excellent. Whereas yeah, in this circumstance, yeah. we don't have to spray it off. We're obliged to top it every year right. after the 15th of July. Okay. Or I think actually we're obliged to top it two years in three, I think is strictly speaking the rule. But that begs the question, is that actually the best thing for environmentally? I would suggest not. But Definitely not. I think it's, yeah, not, not, not in this instance. It would be it would be like decimation, wouldn't it, to go across here now and top But of course, it. from the government's point of view, they are terribly hung up on the idea that you have to keep this land in good agricultural condition, right, which basically right. means that to qualify for set-aside, you've got to be able to plough it up and farm it at any given yeah, point. Yeah, yeah. Now, right, obviously, right. if I let these little shrubs and what have you that are coming, there's some orals and there's some silver birches that are self-seeded about the place, if I let those get too big, then obviously it's going to be more a bulldozer job than a plough job, and yeah. that doesn't fit within the rules. But no. of course they do give a cover, and they give a variety of food sources in different ways, yeah, because definitely. there's all sorts of different yeah. species here. Well, yes. silver birch are fantastic. You were saying, Rob, they're one of the first species to sort of colonise well, the prior to uh, mature wood setting. Yeah, they're considered to be pioneering species, and the, and the interesting part of this, is in, in the sense that it's been down for ten years, we have got, got a lot of brown understory that's moving in and then and we have got some birch and it appears to be quite a patch over there that I'm sort of itching to, yeah yeah we should go well, we should wander let's go and wander over there very interesting that this was topped two years ago so that's why it's due to be topped again this year so that the, the bramble growth and the growth of birch saplings and older or oral saplings they are m- mostly two years old which shows you how quickly they can establish this understory, you know, from a standing start. Really. Yeah, yeah. The other problem, of course, we've got is that the the odd ragwort that is here. See, there's a very good reason to top it because, being a notifiable weed, we don't want it to spread. Yeah. Um, having said that, it's also a fabulous food source for butterflies. It is, and and it was interesting because I mean, was it last summer? I've been a little bit cocky because I saw some cinnabar moth caterpillars on uh, on some ragwort down by the farm there, and I was saying prior to having seen, I was saying to the guys that went along for a course that now you're not going to see these daytime flying moths here, you know, not in this in this general area because of the way it's farmed and whatnot. <laughs> Lo and behold, there it was. But I think they must have probably come out from this patch here. Yeah, because they, I'm I'm just studying the ground to see if I can see any of those yellow and black. Oh, you smell a fox Beautiful there. striping. Actually, you can see where there's, oh, there's yeah. probably a litter yeah. of foxes here somewhere. You can see where they've, oh, been, they've playing. been playing. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. That's fantastic. What is that? Is it like a vetch? Is that what is that, Rob? Exactly. Yeah, yeah, it's it's a vetch, thick yeah. coating. It is yeah. a vetch. Yeah. So that's a very pretty plant, in its own right, isn't it? When it flowers, delicate flowers. What are the grasses that we've got here? You've got a lot of Yorkshire fog, common bent. But I think that's one of the things that's slightly different about the permanent set-aside to the uh, rotational set-aside that I'm probably more familiar with, is that the permanent, with it being permanent, you have time for the grasses to move in. And the sword is quite light, there's plenty of room. It is, it is. You do get an idea of how wet there are these wetland plants that grow. And further over, although this field is in part drained, there are various rushes and... I don't know quite what they're called. They, I suppose, are these a sedge or not? Or are they a rush? It's a, it's a rush, yeah. 
They're pretty, aren't they? I mean, they do tend to proliferate where the ground is, uh, is I suspect moist. that this is a hangover really from it being woodland so comparatively recently in its history. There's, a, there's a nice mix in here, Phil. You know, I mean, I've got to hand it to you. You've uh, inadvertently got a little... I haven't little, wrecked little, it, a little, what you're saying. <laughs> University, you've got a, a fantastic little nature reserve right on the doorstep. It's it's great. What up, was interesting was we were chatting, I was chatting with here. Hev the other day, and I was sort of saying that from a farmer's point of view, we are going to be responsible for getting rid of areas like this for economic reasons. Yeah. And she was asking, well, what are the economic reasons? And when I told her the opportunity costs of growing, say, a, a cereal crop on here, in terms of some sort of public subscription, public access to it, it was a tiny sum of money to her. And right. her feeling was, well, let's do something that we can pay the farm the commercial value of yeah. a moderate arable crop yeah. and yeah. then not have one and get outside the subsidy and all this sort of agricultural problem. And I thought, yeah, that's where I want to go at. Absolutely. You know, I don't particularly... It's, I mean, it's quite obviously not ever going to be the best arable field you've seen in your life. But I could quite easily turn it back to sort of semi-intensive grassland, yeah. which again would, would spoil it for what it is now. It, it would reduce the amount of species on it significantly, wouldn't it? Well, totally. What, to one? <laughs> <laughs> what, are you, uh, what are you up to there, Rob? You're peeling that up, that you're about so, yeah, to try and yeah. eat it or something. Yeah, it's, 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 uh, it's, it's a bit of a rush. A tasty-looking, pithy centre. We can tell it's a rush because it has that pithy centre. Right. But that's what well, they, many, many years ago, they used to peel the skin back and, and use this for the wick in candles. Is that right? Yeah. Fantastic. So presumably then the wax is absorbed up and I can yeah. see there are little tiny pores yeah. Yeah. in their core. You're a font of knowledge, Rob. <laughs> so we've got a few birds. I've noticed little the twitterings of little flocks of goldfinches because those guys are going to be feasting on all this creeping thistle, aren't they, that's in here? White throats, you know, we've seen a couple of white throats. They're, they're going to be nesting in the, the uh, bramble patches. Oh, here we go. Small skipper. Small skipper, right. Let's see the butterflies, you know, they just love this bit of sun and out they'll come. And bees, look. Yeah, bumblebees feasting on the thistle heads. Just five minutes uh, of sunshine and everything around. comes up yeah. out of the bottom, doesn't it? You see, it's amazing. I mean, I've, I've got to say the invertebrates will suffer this year, won't they, do you think, for the, from all this wet? Yeah, the pro- probably, and yeah. yeah. The start of the year was very good for a lot of the butterflies, but anything uh, that's been hatching over the last couple of months will be pretty much washed out by now. Yeah, and they just, they just, they just have, don't seem to have the opportunity to come out and feed and to mate. What have we got here? Oh, Rob's just getting a little bit excited about this... Uh, beautiful titchy little butterfly what is that Rob? small skipper is that a little skipper again we just caught up with it again a lot of meadow browns as well what will their larvae be feeding on those guys grasses uh, or sure but you'll find a lot of the butterflies although they're feeding the wildflowers are particularly important as a nectar source for them to feed on their, their larvae are very often feeding on the grasses right and it's probably one of the reasons why you've probably got the whole life cycle in this set aside which you wouldn't have in in a rotational set aside because the larvae have been able to feed on the grasses and then there's the nectar source and the creeping thistles some of the other flowers here's a lot of clover here as there well. is a lot of clover in here which is really nice of course bees love that it's great fantastic well should we just wander back down and go back down to see this thicker area of woodland so phil this is 10 years old these silver birch that kind of proliferate this bank well, yes. they were topped off to nothing two years ago. Might have, really? Might have been three, but uh, once they decide to grow, yeah. <laughs> they'll grow really quickly. Yeah, Actually, yeah. There, there are Some more of these birds are ten foot here than I thought. There are alders as well further over, but I don't know why this farm, around the 
margins of a lot of the woods, there are a lot of silver birch. Right. And I don't know whether it's the soil or why particularly, but I don't think they were planted necessarily, but obviously they're managing to proliferate themselves. They yeah. do, and they do look really healthy. I mean, is that, you're studying that tree, Rob. Yeah, well, it, it, it is silver birch. We can see by the very warty feel to the stem, and if you, if you touch the... Run your fingers down the end of those stems. It quite, feels quite rough. It does, yeah. As yeah. if it was the hairy birch, which is the other birch we get in the UK, that would be covered in hairs and would be very soft to the touch. Okay. It's such a pretty looking tree. I know it's a common tree, you know, you see silver birch pretty much all over the place, but it's, it's, for me it's one of my favourites and it supports so much invertebrate life. It's, uh, there's a whole plethora of something like 150 different types of insects you can find on silver birch. Yeah. Catkins as well, Rob. Yeah, just got to an age five or six years old perhaps here where it's producing its first seed crop right so now you as a, as a specialized uh, seed harvester and uh, and, a, and, a, and a chap that knows how to look after these things prior to propagation what would you have to do to those seeds in order to ensure that they were going to germinate this seed would be collected by hand we'd then do a little bit of processing to clean out any sort of leaf debris that might be in with the seed it would then be dried to below 10 percent and on something like birch you can have anywhere in the region of a germination of 250,000 to, to one and a half million germinating seeds per kilo. Really? Um, <laughs> That's quite a lot, isn't it? You don't need a lot of seed here for a forest. Yeah. Really. That, that probably suggests the success of the birch at proliferating <laughs> so. itself across the bottom half of this field. Yeah. So when we look at how many we've got here, there's two, probably two or three hundred trees in total. It's probably just a very, very small percentage that have germinated more the seed that's probably been blown yeah. over here the last 10 years from the surrounding woodland. Yeah, gosh. And you can see the, the betula pendula in, in, in the, on the edges of these two woods, the very pendulous branches. Right, right. That's right, you can. Big mature trees. They're fantastic. Um, How old is something like that? These are the trees that are just on the, on the uh, well, in the hedge line, really, that have been left to mature. Yeah, I mean, they're, they're probably 40, 50 years old. Right. Maybe even a little bit more. I was going to say that that hedge line is probably one of the older hedge lines on the on the farm. That that hedge line would have been the boundary of the wood for probably hundreds of years, but that was the, the boundary of the wood until it was cleared sort of between the wars in the 30s. They did a lot of work on this farm, pushed the wood line back up more or less to where it is now, so that those boundary hedges tend to be the older ones. Amazing. So these, these you know, these. I've, I've, someone came out to my house the other day, Rob, I've got some... Uh, um, well some hostas that I got from Chelsea Flower Show a couple of years ago and next to those hostas that are in this big copper are a load of rose bay willow herb self-seeding rose bay willow herb now you see for me these are far more attractive than the hostas that I've got adjacent to them we were talking about this morning it would be a difficult thing for people to put in their gardens because they do proliferate like mad don't they they're very vigorous um, quantity of seed produced by each plant must be there's a lot, a lot of seed on there right, <laughs> a big head you know that's it within these seed heads have, have things seeded a bit earlier this year because of the terrible weather we've had to start off with on the tree seed that we were harvesting earlier in the year we were a good two weeks early on the willow seed but very often through the year we find that seed crops average out certainly by the time we get through to the end of july beginning of august most things have averaged out to be harvested at a similar time of year yeah 
from all the historical records we have. Last year was the first time we've gone through an entire season where we were collecting everything two to three weeks earlier all through the season. This year has probably already, as far as trees go, averaged out already, despite starting a good two weeks early. Yeah, yeah. It's probably averaged out to be quite normal now. Right, okay. That's quite, interesting. A, quite interesting, Rich. I've got a white clover head in my hand mm. and you were commenting on how dire the sort of weather patterns the last four or five weeks have been for insects. And as far as I can see, it's totally blind. I don't think it's shed. And clover is one of these plants that needs to be cross-pollinated usually by bees. Right. And the fact that it's blind would suggest to me that it failed to pollinate. Yeah. Um, I haven't found a single seed in that I'm head. sure pollination will be um, shocking this year. Clover will large. get away with it because it also reproduces vegetatively with suckers, effectively. Right. But as, as perhaps an indicator of what a hard time some of the insects have been having, that probably gives lie to the problems. And presumably those birds and animals that live on insects... I mean, I've noticed that the swallows and house martins are having to work very, very hard to feed any brood. Yeah, Presumably well, because there aren't the insects on the wing for them to catch. Absolutely. And people seem to have more birds visiting their garden for this time of year compared to normal summers, you know, because birds are finding it tougher. There's just not availability of insect life. That's the resident badger track. Oh, here we go, look. It's great to be able to recognise things. I mean, because of this track, it's very consistent, yeah. We've got a little badger toilet here right by us. Now, if that was... If they were, like patches of well-worn bouncing then we could see that that was a a rabbit patch but i think that's that may not be there's a deer slot in there it's not a badger bog is it i think it's possibly where a fox has been digging for something mouse could be a vole yeah and i suspect that you might be looking at a fox I don't know because I don't know of any significant badger sets on this end of the farm. Well, certainly, uh, it's certainly a fantastic spot, Phil. You know, it's uh, so. I mean, what's the verdict for this patch? What do you think you? Uh, well, I, I'm what are you going to do with quite it? Quite genuinely, I'm hoping that between us all, we can come up with a way of generating enough income, nothing to do with farming, to leave it as set aside. Yeah, I think between us, we can develop some sort of management technique to you know, top it perhaps later on in the season when we can keep control of the ragwort and sort of stop the silver birches completely taking over the place and yeah. the orals further over. Yeah. But if we can extricate ourselves from the rules of the EEC and DEFRA, then we can design a management plan for it that actually benefits what we want it to benefit. And if we can come up with enough money to pay the rent and what have you, then I reckon that's the best way forward. Brilliant. What do you reckon then, Rob? I mean, what's your verdict on this patch? Is it more in, in, inspiring than you thought it might be? Yeah, these sites often are, as we talk in. Two, two more small skippers yes. covering yeah, just through, through, through the Making thistles, the most you know. of it. Thistles are, they are a great nectar source for these butterflies. Seeds are, will be eaten by goldfinches and many other birds. So, yeah, it's, it's a it's, we ought to just go over the top because the field changes completely over the top. Well, let's go and walk on the other side anyway. See if we can find an oak. So we've just seen the deer just bouncing straight up the bank into the wood. And that's, a lo- that's beautiful. That's, that's such a lovely scene, you know, that, that broken woodland just on the edge of this set aside. Oh, there's a, there's a green finch over there just 
don't know, like a greenfinch. I, I sometimes think I can hear greenfishes in the background. I think if it, it stopped raining and the sun had come out Well, properly, it just doesn't quite know what to do. It, it wants to rain because it doesn't want to break a habit of the whole summer. Yeah, yeah. I think the fact that the deer are on here as well, though, is, a, is brilliant because there's probably just enough grazing going on just to keep um, some of the more invasive species down to let some of these uh, smaller things... Like Rob just found some common century. We've got some rough hawk bit here. Perfect habitat for the fallow deer to give birth in. They don't yeah. like having their fawns in the wood. They'd sooner come out of the wood and find some cover out in the fields, and it might be briars or ferns or things. In this case, I suspect it's in amongst these saplings, yeah. but it's perfect for them. They'll come and leave the fawn in there, and then we just saw mum grazing or whatever she was doing. But I'll bet that not very far away somewhere is one of this year's fawn. You'd have a job yeah, to catch they it don't, by now. Yeah, expect, that's right. They will sit dead tight, absolutely motionless, and you can get to within you know a couple of feet of them and they won't move. Yeah, no, it's incredible. It is it's such a nice habitat. There's some buddlier down there, Rob. Yeah. That's, uh, that's interesting. How did I get there, do you think? Yeah, very, very light seed. Probably brought here by the wind. I mean, buddleys yeah. are great. Well, everybody thinks of it as a butterfly bush, don't they? But they aren't there problems with certain species of buddleia, the way they're, they're quite invasive and uh, encroaching into parts of the countryside? They're, well, they're not a native no. um, plant to the UK, so in some areas there'll be a problem just because they're not native right. and, and not required. But again, tiny, tiny seed, about around 10 million seeds to the kilo. Right. So that, that's an indication as to how light they are. And yeah. That'd want a bit of thinning if you planted it out in a drill, wouldn't it? So it brings new meaning to the word pricking but, out that lot. But again, the interest, one of the interesting things here, is, again, it's an indication as to how much nutrient will have leached out of the ground because, because it's a tiny seed, just like all the birch trees here. They only germinate on the surface and it has to be light on the surface to allow them to germinate. Well, I'm, I'm, I'm quietly impressed with this spot, Phil, I've got to say. Well, thanks for that. Sounds like you had a lovely time up the field wandering around and uh, while I was at work. I do hope that if you've got any ideas on the set-aside that you will please email us heather at wigglywigglers.co.uk or richard at wigglywigglers.co.uk or pwg at lowerblakemere.co.uk Or you can leave us a message on our farm phone on plus four four one nine eight one five hundred nine three zero plus four four one nine eight one five hundred nine three zero, which would be wonderful. And from a beautiful day in July, for those of you that are listening later in the year, from the Wiggly Sofa, it's bye from me. Bye from me. Bye. Thank you for that. Um, here's a joke. A farmer was milking his cow. <laughs> thank you for that. You dismissed that. I've got a better joke. Well, thank you for that. <laughs> no, I just hope that. You know, I just hope that people. There was a group of Irishmen working outside the nunnery. No, and no, the no, no, no. It's cuddly no. clean. Oh, totally. No. Clean. I've got a great. It's joke. not a problem. Oh, well, no, 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 you've got to have this now because I've no. started. So the, the mother superior comes out of the nunnery oh. and says to Paddy, no. "Now look, you boys, I know you're working outside the nunnery." Well, that's the um, it from the weekly sofa this week. The chat at the field was all right. So. That's it. <laughs> Bye. <laughs>
<laughs> Chat from the field was all right. I think you, I think perhaps you should listen to the, um, before you make these these uh, slightly disparaging remarks about our enterprising little journalist. She's lost the will to live for yeah. some reason. Best known, to, she's probably long, OD'd on antibiotics. Actually, that's what's yeah, happened. Champers. But um, would you like me to do it again? Let me think. <laughs> 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 okay, right.